Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pod Dumbamara. I'm Jake Flores. This is the show this week. I wanted to explain up top a little bit about what's going to happen at the next couple weeks of the show. Basically, I started reading a book about John Brown, a biography, and it's really long and it's really good. And if you don't know who John Brown is, he was basically an abolitionist who existed in the antebellum era. Uh, wink, wink. Um, remember that band? He That's before war, right? I don't know. Fuck it. So, <laughs> John Brown's guy existed before the Civil War, who was an abolitionist. He was a white guy who was really very woke and tried to end slavery personally by getting a bunch of guys together with guns and swords and storming a plantation. And his plan was to you know, ripple from there and essentially just, like, start a nationwide slave rebellion. It's very fucking cool. They don't teach you it in school. It's one of the cooler things in that category, you know? Um, And I wanted to do an episode about it because, you know, obviously in the context of police abolition, this makes sense to talk about because there are dynamics and arguments about whether what he did was too far, whether abolition itself was too far, and those probably are pretty relevant to what people are talking about today. Um, I also wanted to do it because, you know, the reason I do this podcast is that I am from the South, where they don't teach you anything, and I am poor and Latino and, you know, grew up trying to understand the world surrounded by like you know Nicaraguans and Cubans and shit that had very complex pro-capitalist ideas other people that had anti-capitalist ideas and then everyone else who pretty much lives apolitically and then I moved to New York and I you know 2016 happened and all these things happened and Bernie happened and I met a few other people that were interested in socialism and you know they went to the new school and stuff like that and have a a sort of like an education like a proper education this sort of stuff and I don't you know this is all DIY I mean I learned a lot of socialist stuff um in college like a little bit I read Marx and Zinn and all that shit and was pretty interested in sociology and things like that um but you know college doesn't really complete that task you it kind of just spits you out you get a little bit of information and then you go fucking go figure it out and i also diverted a large part of my life to pursue you know basically just the technical skill of like stand-up comedy right so i don't know i was talking to another southerner about this the other night on fourth of july and i was like and we were both talking about how like you know, they don't fucking teach you anything, and that's why it's so hard to radicalize Southerners is because part of what's going on is it's kind of embarrassing that you don't know as much as these fucking socialists up here, and, you know, that doesn't make any sense. For this to be inclusive, things have to be accessible, not insulting, um, you know, and I'm a comedian, so I could I could take the fucking punch here. I can make a podcast where I'm a fucking idiot and I get all sorts of shit wrong and I learn. And that's the fucking show, right? And I was thinking about that because I was talking to another friend of mine the other day 
about John Brown, and they didn't know who he was, and I was like, holy shit, I should make a podcast about John Brown, because that's way easier to take in, and it's kind of fun, and it can be kind of, you know, true crimey, even, or like last podcast on the lefty, or something like that, Um, because this is just a fucking insane, incredible story. The book, I'll say this throughout the podcast, highly recommended, the fucking, this book is it's incredible. <laughs> it's like so funny. Um, and so interesting. Um, but yeah, but yeah, basically I started reading it and I started putting together show notes for it and it's a, lo- it's a long story. So, and it takes a lot of time to, you know, I don't know how the fuck this last podcast people do this. It takes a lot of time to like write out episodes like this. So what happened is it's really long. And I'm not finished yet, so we're splitting it up into like a few hour-long episodes. So today will be like the first part of the John Brown story. The young John Brown, when he's a kid and a teenager and a young adult, and some context and some background. And trust me, there's some pretty weird shit in there. So it's pretty good. So anyways, yeah, for the next few weeks, it's going to be, I think, part one, two, and three. The life of John Brown... And then we'll just do other stuff on the the Patreon feed and stuff. And, yeah, maybe some other stuff just on the main show, too. Uh, But I think this is, like, one of the cooler things we've ever done. So, anyways, enjoy the fucking show, you freaks. of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. God damn America as long as she tries to act like she I'm recording. John Brown. Brown's Brown's body in the grave. That doesn't sound like a pro John Brown song. I gotta say, just from those lyrics and the way they're uh, the tone, it sounds like they're celebrating. It's weird. Just for the record, I was doing "Kickstart My Heart." I'm oh. not Lee Crew. <laughs> but that was good too. It's more relevant. You guys are right. That song is weird because it's about his dead body. Well, it, if you yeah, know the context, it's about his dead body. That's one of the important points. That's one of the important points. Like, John Brown thought, I have more value as a dead man than as a living man in this fight. And he knew that he was such a powerful symbol that, you know, as as the, the supreme white allies slaveholders would have to kill that's pretty rock and roll yeah but i think it would be cooler if he was alive and it was just about his body you know yeah like a bunch of civil war guys that are just like he's so john brown's body is so fucking hot i'm gonna go fight against the south yeah People had, like, a good body back then because of malnutrition. So if you could (laughs) get there, you could inspire a lot of people with just what you look like. 
True. True. He did have piercing eyes. Goal weight, John Brown. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he and Lincoln both. Now that I'm thinking about it, were uh, clean shave McGee for a while, and then they both went um, full beard, and then that's when they got like fucking hardcore. You know, true. Oh yeah, because he had a crazy. He looked the guy like the guy from the lighthouse when he had the beard. Yeah, yeah. But there's old f- photos with him with a clean shave, as with Lincoln. But a little girl suggested to Lincoln. You want to run for national office? Eh, you got to do a something there. Girl? Yeah. How, wait, was she a big girl? <laughs> you know the story? She was huge. She was 10 feet tall. <laughs> Name but, yeah, beards, beards and abolition go together, I think. So a little girl ran Lincoln's John motherfucking Brown, part one. Hello, welcome to the show. Hello, the damned. Hello, the stupid children. Hello, whatever we're going to call you next. I don't remember why we call you either of those previous things, being entirely honest with you. I'm Jake Flores. Anders Lee is here. Anders, damn, stupid child Lee here. Alex Matak is here. Clown clowns. (laughs) (laughs) The first part of what you said got cut off, so it just said clowns or something clowns <laughs> clowns what do it i said what up brown clowns My oh sucks. there you go okay because we're trying to think of a good nickname Jesus for the fans Christ. for the fans earlier i said brown nosers i think oh, that might yeah. be a little too vulgar so brown clown i think that's that, a way to go brown clowns is that's already good. a thing and how, it sucks how about insane brown posse oh yeah, yeah. you know okay. And uh, Naomi, <laughs> Naomi Caravani, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, thank you for joining us to talk about the motherfucker John Brown and all the cool things he did. Um, I want to start off today's episode by sort of addressing the question, why, why talk about John Brown? Why do an episode about him? Um, you know, is this relevant or is this just a weird story? He's oddly enough in the news. I mean, I guess this was bound to happen. It's pretty interesting that this article came out in like the new conservative today about him and is sort yeah. of being shared yeah. because I, well, there's also a series coming out, right? Is that right. what's going on? Someone's yeah. Someone it's like someone they're cast someone to play him, right? Ethan yeah, Hawke. It's a comedy. Yeah, it's we like the trail. Yeah, it's, it's a, sort of. Um, by the way, is there a uh, is is the your cat a, a brown clown too? Is she getting? Uh, sounds like she's getting in the the fighting spirit. Well, yeah, the cats are fighting behind me, but I don't know what on what ideological terms. Right. At Alex, at Alex's uh, where he's recording, there's also a literal cat fight, right? I don't know what their fucking problem is. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I might have to put these cats out, too. If, if, we're, if I'm going to ascribe them any faction in the story we're going to discuss today, I'm going to say they're what's known as a border ruffian, which is basically, uh. um, you know, we'll discuss the politics of it later, but they're basically drunk guys with revolvers <laughs> that ride steamboats and uh, care not for borders. Um. Mm. Because they are not supposed to be in my room right now, but here they are, voting. Here they are on uh, all sorts of horrible things. So, yeah, uh, I mean, no, but the reason that there's a TV show coming out, the reason that there's, uh, you know, 
articles in the New Conservative is these all have a common root, which is that we just experienced something uh, that raised the question of abolition, be it abolition of police. Yeah. Similar sort of story going on here, or a similar you know piece of history with what happened with John Brown because he was a figure, a key figure in the story of abolition of slavery. And I'm going to work off a book that I am in the middle of uh, that I read that was came highly recommended. I sort of asked a few people, I asked Twitter people, I asked other people I know, what should I read about this guy? And, you know, somebody suggested the W.E.B. Du Bois story about him. Um, you know, there's a few biographies, uh, but this one stuck out to me because it is... Um, it's really like inclusive in that it's a cultural biography, and I'll speak to what that means in a minute. But uh, the t- the book, in case you're you know wondering, you want to read it or anything, I'm not going to get to everything in it. It's a long book; it's like 500 pages. Is called John Brown, abolitionist, the man who killed slavery, sparked the Civil War, and seeded civil rights by David S. Reynolds. Right off the bat, very intense. Uh, <laughs> quite a claim yeah <laughs> and what yeah, did you know he was the president during the civil war <laughs> that was him so almost uh what he means by cultural biography is this book extensively examines the context in which john brown lived and the culture that begat him you know and then his life and the things that he did within his life and then the culture that came after him that arguably he in a recursive way like affected so he he was inspired by the world he lived in and you know arguably shifted the tides of the world he lived in and if you don't know anything about john brown you may have heard of him right off the bat you know just upfront explainer uh if you ever read like people's history or anything like that um john brown was this white dude who was such a hardcore abolitionist that he just personally went fucking action movie and did Django and change shit and stormed a plantation in harper's ferry and tried to start a slave rebellion all by himself and didn't work but arguably planted the seeds for the civil war and that's a thing that's sort of up for discussion um, there are basically two things you have to you have to address right off the bat when you talk about the life of John Brown in a story like this, and these are addressed at the top of this book. One of them is, did he sort of spark the Civil War by creating such an incident that um, you know essentially shifted uh, someone like Abraham Lincoln, who was not a radical abolitionist in any sense, to become like the moderate figure that then could sort of like. You know, the movement to actually go to war against the South could mount behind, right? Um, That's up for debate. The second thing, right off the bat, is the question of whether he's insane. Whether John Brown is (laughs) a complete fucking lunatic. It's honestly... An unreliable narrator. Up for debate whether he was of complete sound mind... Because yeah, but if we're if we're gonna use like psychological categories that are that wouldn't apply on that day. Wait, so did they? Why do they think he's insane? He has like super strength. No, <laughs> so fanatical. Well, 
we'll get- yeah, he was he was very inspired by religion, and he thought it was his destiny to to you know die in this fight. And he you know he sacrificed his sons too. His sons died in the course of this fight, and he like literally gave his life to to the cause. Yeah, Damn, it sucks sacrificing your sons for the cause. Right. It's if if you're trying to like uphold a system and you sacrifice your life to do that, that's not like seen as mentally ill. But if you're trying to abolish a system or create a new system, that's cuckoo bananas. You know, that's that's the way it's seen in yeah. society. I mean, well, I will reserve my judgment for the story. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> so you will know, give a verdict later whether or not he's cuckoo. Well, I, you'll have to tune back in to find out. <laughs> <laughs> I think the question of whether he's insane comes from um, basically, you know, looking at his life because he was sort of uh, an iconoclast, even within a subgroup of iconoclasts. So, you know, being something like an abolitionist or these sort of other subgroups around it known as like colonizationists and free staters and stuff like that that we'll get into um, usually meant that you politically believed that all humans had the same rights, but most of them still believed racistly that other races were less than in their makeup, right? And so John Brown, in uh, in, in a very iconoclastic fashion, was just actually not racist in a time when racism was the norm he just thought of uh right indians and black people as human and he also stuck out in his own milieu because he adopted violence and we'll sort of talk up to like the point of him doing that and what you know the, the second part will happen next episode or whatever but uh we'll get to his first sort of murder and you know since he did technically murder someone you know there's a question of is this a story about a serial killer this will read this will sound kind of like a true crime podcast about you know and that's when it turned or whatever and there's a lot of questions about his sanity because he had a trial and uh (laughs) and i think his lawyer actually tried to tried to get him off by saying he was insane and he insisted no i really wanted to do this here here are my fucking reasons and i think mostly the reason that he's retroactively questioned in terms of sanity is because politically people would like to undo what he's what he's done and say well that wasn't um you know that, that was a, no, a sane abolitionist wouldn't have done that uh, t- to try to undo, I guess, the political point he was making. Right. Yeah. But I think you could say he's insane in the way that he's like clairvoyant because everything he said came true. You know, he's like slavery will not end legally. If there will be a fight, a massive fight. Yeah. Well, well maybe what, you could, could you could say he's crazy in a way like Toucan Sam is crazy for for Fruit Loops, but his uh, that's uh, Cocoa Puffs. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I think Toucan no, Sam is of, of a sound mind. Sound mind. Anders, do not you no. do not dare correct me. No, no, <laughs> no. Anders he is, is also right. crazy, but different. Yeah. What's his What's his melody? 
Fruit Loops is the malady. All <laughs> right. Say, okay. It's an obsession. Oh, you know what? Yeah, that is unusual and irregular and probably unhealthy for a bird of his type to Birds be uh, even, infatuated like, with that a, shit. Yeah, that is wrong with. of him. Yes. Anyway, true. my point is that he's like that, but for uh, abolishing slavery. Yes. Well, it's it's funny because the uh, in the American Conservative article. Uh, there's a lot of time dedicated to um, the cost of war and, you know, the disease and all the death brought on by the Civil War. Not a lot about the, you know, consequences of slavery for the slaves, uh, which to me seems like the kind of the point. But uh, right. one of the, the, I think, amusing parts of the article is. And did you like, did you say you found an article defending slavery and American conservative. <laughs> well, no, well, as the author made very, very clear on Twitter, I am not defending slavery. In but, all caps. right. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he says... I'm just crazy for it. <laughs> <laughs> Follow your nose. I'm the two... Written by the toucan in the American conservative. It is ableist to tell me about slavery. But he said in 1862 that Lincoln asked Congress to consider a constitutional amendment that would guarantee compensated emancipation to any state, including those in rebellion, and that would agree to abolish slavery gradually by 1900. Yeah. And he blames abolitionists for, quote, that they torpedoed the proposal and demanded that they continue <laughs> the war. This bulletproof proposal we had going. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely going to work. It's pissing the cat off. I can hear it in the background. <laughs> I mean, we talked about that a little bit with Matt of just alternate histories that could have happened where, you know, there's theories of like, well, eventually slavery could have petered out or whatever. But I, I think that, that that strikes me as pretty naive to think that the South would. Holy shit. I got to fucking get rid of these cats. I'll be right back. <laughs> See, there's unrest even in our time, and they, I think there's a lesson in that. Everyone out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, Naomi and Anders, have you ever considered getting a cat? We have, and I uh, <laughs> am again. Here's my here's my deal. I like other people's cats, mm. but I don't think I should be tasked with. Listen, we have plants, and I went away for a week hoping to water them. And the time when I came back, <laughs> swore to God that he watered them. Um, so I, I went ahead and watered the plants, and he was like, "Oh, you watered the plants with a pitcher?" He was spraying them, oh, like spritzing all right. them. Well, look at the thing we have. You, she, she bought like a high definition, a high definition like thing that looks like no, a watering nobody, can. I mean, would you guys make that mistake? Would you spray the topsoil of a plant hoping it survives? It's still you know, water. I it's would. just a cloud of water. It I makes, think anyone I would think make it makes that sense. mistake. It's a mistake anyone would make. Thank you. Yes, it looks Maybe like a watering can. Maybe you can your way up to a cat and get, like, uh, iguana. Yeah, I would love an iguana. They smell. They smell really As long bad. as you pick some animal that can fight in the background of our radio show, I think <laughs> it's a good choice. <sighs> All right. Yeah. I think I got right, Andrew, uh, Jake Can back. you make iguanas fight? No. I think they have to be like the no. special kind. 
where they're like, you know, the ones you see. Iguanas are too chill. You can make anything fight, technically. Yeah. Okay. Uh, doesn't mean you should. Yo, we're back. Okay. I got rid of the two of the cats. So one of them is in here, and I think he's just will fuck off if he's by himself. Uh, but what we were so you were talking about that um, that fucking neo that new conservative article. What exactly? I, cause I didn't get a chance to read it. What exactly was their point? Yeah, uh, the American Conservative, written by it's um, Jim Bovard. Uh, the title is "Anti-Slavery Zealots." John Brown is no hero. And uh, basically, his thesis is that, um, as you know, was not is really not that um, unpopular of an opinion, honestly, with a lot of American historians, at least, you know, in previous decades, some a lot of them have come around. But uh, he's saying that, you know, political violence um, is always a bad thing and is always counterproductive. And uh, John Brown was a fanatic uh, and, you know, he prevented the more incremental uh, changes from taking place because, you know, that's what these people have to fetishize. Uh, and he talks about Henry David Thoreau, who um, he likes in one sense because, of course, Henry David Thoreau was anti-government. He was like, I, I, right. I'm a no-taxes guy. I you know, I, I, uh, I quietly declare war with the state um, in my own, you know, I'm right. not going to pay taxes and spend a night in jail type of way, which a conservative, you know, they're fine with that. Um, but then he says that Thoreau, oh, he, he didn't, he wasn't really paying attention. He wasn't up on the news enough and wasn't familiar with the, uh, violent acts that John Brown is committing. And maybe if he right. was, then he wouldn't, uh, well, have supported him. That's, I mean, complete bullshit because yeah. no, uh, and the American conservative you're saying, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our favorite magazine. No, I mean, th this book opens with, uh, you know, like a fun framing device opens at his funeral, which is uh, attended, or I think a wake, more like uh, like the party after his, his funeral. Hanging? No, is no, it no. His hanging? No, no, no. no. Okay. The, 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 the wake is the thing that comes after the funeral, which is the thing that comes after the hanging. If you had the party at the hanging, pretty weird in my opinion. Although, hey, mm. you know, why not? Um, but no, I mean, there was, there was, there was basically like, there was a celebration of his life after he died and he was after the raid on Harper's Ferry lionized by like Frederick Douglass and a lot of these key figures. And I can't remember if, uh, Emerson was there. I think Thoreau was dead by then. I think Emerson might've been there. Freddie D had to flee the country because he was a suspect in, in the conspiracy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, he went to Canada. Another person at this party was the father of Louisa May Alcott, who wrote Little Women. So, oh, really? Yeah, I've been reading Little Women in quarantine, and it's uh, it's it's about class war. It's uh, radical. Um, it yeah. I watched that movie. Those girls don't look related at all. That's <laughs> fucked up. Um, also, I think they're all movie stars except one of them who looks like a normal girl, and I feel so bad for. Her. <laughs> Because it's just like her and Hermione and Church or Ronan and shit. It's bullshit. <laughs> well, the, the thing that I, I think a lot of these people miss is that violence is just and was just and is just in, in the way that slavery uh, is, still exists in the world. It is just a core part of it, right? It's a violent uh, act taking enslaving a person and, and uh, enforcing their slavery. That's this fucking it's going to be violent. And so it, I very difficult to imagine 
ending it in any way that does not include violence. Right. Uh, and he may point to like, uh, well, it would have petered out eventually without the Civil War. Things would have um, things, you know, wouldn't have worked anymore and that it was already dying and that they just eventually would have uh, put itself down. And that I don't think that would have happened. It may not have, you know, it, it would, no matter how it ended, it would have been bloody. Uh, and if you look at a lot of slave owners who were starting to reconsider the system and say, like, incrementally, maybe we should wean our way off of slaves. I mean, not uh, in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not they would always say that. Slaves, they'd say, they like, all right, all the founding fathers. Yeah, that's what they'd say. But but one thing that people um, often leave out of this is a lot, especially in like the 1830s, a lot of these slave owners who were starting to come around to the idea of, you know, in 300 years, maybe abolition, it was in large part because of Nat Turner's rebellion. Uh, another guy in 1831, I believe, who led a slave revolt and um, killed a lot of white people. And that that's scary, you know, and so that's also, that's incentive it's one of my to greatest to fears. Religion, thinking it was his destiny to right. Do this and. Uh, yeah, committed horrible acts of violence that a lot of people, a lot of abolitionists at the time didn't agree with. They, right. So but that abolitionists like the left were, you know, always, always had infighting, always had big, big disagreements and, and yeah, just didn't get along. Um, very, very different ideas about, about how slavery would end. Right. Um, why did we fuck? I just oh, no, but I want to add to you, um, Jake, you were talking about why is John Brown coming up now? And I think a big part of it is like, what's the use of political violence? Right. We see these protests getting violent. Is it is it totally, you know, is it going to lead us nowhere? Or is, is there righteous violence? Does it exist? Right. right. Yeah. Well, okay. That's, that's what I was trying to remember. So the point of that, about that is that, yeah, that's something that, uh, Brown talks about a lot. And in regard to things like Nat Turner's slave rebellion, uh, and basically the way he sees it is that slavery is a situation where you are at war. Like if you are enslaved by someone, they are waging a war on you without your you have no like participation in it it's a de facto thing that is i think and i think that his entire life especially like the first part here where he's sort of like working his way up to really like kind of you know kind of like someone who's deciding to kill like get, getting himself sort of like psyched up for it um you know he's really trying to come to grips with that but he's the thing that he believes but you know it's going to it's prescripting or prescribing you know, some pretty serious action, right? And he yeah. talks about it yeah. as being justified. And I think what's interesting is that, you know, he's seen as a radical psychopath by a lot of people. But then what he does later on, eventually in one way or another, or not at all, if you fucking really want to make that argument, leads to war, which is state-sanctioned violence, that mm -hmm. everyone's okay with in this like you know interesting Foucault sort of way where oh if it's you know if it's supposed to happen then not you right. know I mean that's literally the uh, UN's definition of a state is a monopoly on the quote unquote legitimate use of force or violence 
Yeah. Right. I mean, the question is pretty obvious if you're if you're a Marxist, because from a materialist perspective, the entire economic capacity of the South is in slavery. So obviously you're not going to buy your way out of it or just tell them to stop it. You have to fight. Just, Obviously. What else? Why else would they win them over with your with ideas? Did you just do a popper? Well, I, I think there was <laughs> me. Yes. I think there was <laughs> so oh, casual. Shit, I wasn't God damn it! I wish I saw that. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I think the eighteen fifties disillusioned a lot of people because there was some progress in the mid eighteen hundreds that would lead to, you know maybe more friendly laws towards abolition and definitely not the expansion of slavery. But then in the 1850s, you have all the concessions to the South and I would, and that kind of changed the course of abolitionism as well. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, I mean, we'll get into like some of these things move over a timeline, Uh, but I want to start the story here. It's fucking story time with uh, his early life, okay? So, John Brown's father was a man named Owen Brown, who was a Calvinist, a hardcore Puritan. He was born in 1771 in West Simsbury, Connecticut. And uh, when uh, when he was five, his father died of dysentery. So this book, by the way, is fucking great. Like as far as so just much diarrhea. Just <laughs> as far as stories go, this and the young Stalin are two of the most fun to read things I've ever read. Uh, because you know it's history, so there's an extra element of when you're reading about this shit, you're like, what the f- this fucking happened? That many people died of diarrhea and ague <laughs> and cholera and shit. It's very funny. People just get knocked out left and right by shit like dysentery. It's very Oregon Trail. Um, so there's a lot of that coming up, right? Highly recommended. De- fucking can't recommend this book enough. Just, just in terms of being good read. Cause, um, I'm not going to get to everything. And I, I tried to take notes, but there's so much weird shit that happens. So right off the bat, Owen Brown, you know, he's got this horrible frontier life. He, um, marries a woman named Ruth in 1794 and they bore a son named Salmon. <laughs> Who dies two years later? Of course he did. His name is Salmon. <laughs> Everyone wow, destined to make it past sure it three. No, it's literally S A L M O N. I know they're religious, but they're also frontier freaks. So all their kids are just named like Stick or Jedediah. I mean, the Caucasian babies. Uh, speaking from experience, being having been one, we do have like a salmon-like pigment so maybe yes. that's what they're going for really andrews <laughs> yeah. you were a caucasian baby i was once upon a time well i think of the frontier life it's like we might at one point have to eat this baby so oh that's yeah true. we might as well get it in our heads now that this is salmon <laughs> i mean human the salmon swims upstream so maybe it's like maybe it, maybe he was came out feet first or something weird like that you know and then mm. <laughs> I don't know. I'm uh very <laughs> swam out. And <laughs> well, maybe, would... just, maybe it was just an ugly baby. Are we overlooking that possibility? <laughs> I don't know. But and like I said, pink. Salmon, who's Owen Brown's uh son, 
died uh, two years after his birth, but that's not the last we'll hear of Salmon, because the one thing that the Browns and that people of just this ilk love to do is just name each other after each other. So they just keep having babies. There's like five more Salmons. There's like another Owen. There's ten Johns. Um, is a school of Salmon? Yes, there's a it's a it's a, it's a hive. Okay. Uh, brown Got hive. Em. Actually, you he know, John Brown does use beehive metaphors a lot when he, he was, does. Yeah. When, when he talks about <laughs> the raid on Harper's Ferry and it being ultimately unsuccessful, he was like, I thought that, you know, people would hive. I thought that Frederick Douglass and, you know, everyone would, the whole hive would form and uh, it didn't. Oh, God, that would I'm suck so much. I understand why people think he's crazy. <laughs> that would suck so much if we brought him back to life and he's just in the K hive. Yeah, well, because he's like, thinks, <laughs> this fanatically, this is, this is what we need to do. <laughs> you know, came back to life, some white woman would be like, shut up, we don't need more white old men. <laughs> right. I don't think John Brown would be in the K hive. I think that it's possible because he's like, the type of white guy that owns a lot of African art and is like, you know, very just superficially like down. But right. he also is mm. really politically stringent and at one point in his life just stopped voting because he was just so he's like, no one was good enough for him. I think he would be like a crazy fucking anarchist type person who's like, oh, I don't fuck Bernie Sanders. Fuck all of them. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You don't think he'd be like a white hotep so with the red dead boy people on his side. I'm sorry. Say that again. He managed to get so many mainstream people on his side, like Ralph Waldo Emerson and Thoreau. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure he would be an anarchist or none of the well, people. well, they were kind of anarchisty too. Well, we'll get they to that. Writers, but they were yeah. We'll get to that because there's a lot going on with them, and then there's actual anarchists around this time, and what John Brown believed, which is its own thing, if you ask me. Um, but he uh, <laughs> he so Owen Brown, his dad, uh, detested slavery in a very Calvinistic manner, and in the context of the American Revolution. So he, coming off the heels of the American Revolution, quickly sort of noticed the hypocrisy of Jefferson's philosophies and the fact that he owned slaves. So if you think that's the sort of thing that, like, well, it was different at the time or whatever, you know, people are watching Hamilton right now and they're sort of going, oh, yeah, but, like, you know, there's all this big message of, like, the past is just like that, you know? It's not. Mm-hmm. There were people at that time who were watching this and going, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Thomas Jefferson, one of them was Owen Brown. Um, right. Just because you rap about it doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, they just flat out, I, I haven't seen it, but they they don't acknowledge slavery, right? It's kind of like a retelling with, that's the... In Hamilton? Colorblind? Yeah, yeah. isn't it? No, no? Hamilton... Okay. Uh, the the part that's weird is they cast Alexander Hamilton as being like virulently anti-slavery, and I'm not sure if that's actually real. We just did a, uh. a whole "Why You Mad About This," but to answer your, I mean, the, in detail, it's discussed there if you want to hear the whole thing. But it, to answer your question, um, the anachronisms in Hamilton are basically that slavery is not mentioned really, uh, except when to anachronistically imply that Hamilton was an abolitionist when he wasn't. And also, um, his wife, uh, Liza Schuyler, Elizabeth Schuyler, the Schuyler family owned slaves. Yeah. And in the 
play or the musical or the fuck you call Hamilton, it's, uh, it's heavily implied that they didn't. So it's a lot going on there. And my opinion on it, honestly, is that it's uh, p- attempting to be post-racial in a way that doesn't work because if if they included the slaves in the story like they should, you would have to address the question of why are these people enslaved, you know? And that would bring up race, which makes the whole fucking non-racial aspect of Hamilton not really make any sense. But Right. Right, and two sisters sharing one man? Also. <laughs> I've never seen it. <laughs> anyway, we can't... There's like 10 million Hamilton podcasts happening right now, so we can't get too yeah, deep yeah. into it. Yeah. We can't imagine what a, a hip-hop musical about John Brown would sound like, but we'll get to that. Um, It'd be a little something like this. Jake, do one. It's just him, like, singing <laughs> a hymn. Like, uh, uh, wait, <laughs> how does the... It's him praying. He's like, uh, um, um, I don't, what, do, what do prayers sound like? I don't know. Uh, beatboxing and then These just... These have a queen, and so do we. Sure. <laughs> we gotta end slavery. <laughs> And the uh, stage is rotating, so that makes it a lot more visually dynamic. It's someone beatboxing and then him just going, Thy father in heaven, take my shit to keep. Or what? I fucking I can't remember how anything goes. <laughs> take my shit to keep. <laughs> take my. <laughs> if, I, if, if I die before I wake. What is, how does it go? I don't know. I can't remember any of this shit. Hey. I don't even know which prayer you're doing. <laughs> if I die before I wake. I think that's a frost poem, no? Now you're thinking that that's Metallica? <laughs> no. <laughs> you do Metallica. This, this is a real thing with like rosaries and shit. <laughs> if I die before I wake, give my lo- give the Lord my soul to take. I'm not making yes, this up. That is those are the lines. <laughs> and so I think that's where we can start for his rap and then we build up from there. He's like breakdancing and shit and he's doing that. He's doing that type of couplet and um yeah, I don't know. And then he has guns. We can make this happen. He's right. like an NWA guy. The Ten Slave Commandments. <laughs> Maybe that could be a song. It doesn't matter for a derivative as long as we have the same spirit. So moving on a little bit. Owen, uh, I almost called him Owen Benjamin. Owen Brown was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a Calvinist. The, the, the John Brown of his time. <laughs> yeah. A true so, iconoclast. So Owen was a big abolitionist. Uh, yeah, and he... Uh, Sorry, I sound like I'm drunk. On the abolition. Oh, we get some Pelosi Sorry. voice. See you here? sharing poppers? Is that what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> You're in the same room. I can see you. <laughs> Just gave him to her. So he lived in the context... Just gave her some poppers. Now she'll be all right. Sorry. <laughs> he lived in the context of the, you know, the aftermath of the American Revolution and noticed that only Vermont had outlawed slavery. The 13 colonies still had slaves. Um... And he had personal experience with a slave named Sam who later died. He had a friendship with a slave when he was a young child. So this heavily informs, you know, his ability to humanize black people, essentially. Um, and this happens to John Brown also later on. I can't remember. Um, I something about the uh, culture around that time. I'm sorry? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Could I add something about the culture around that time? Like the way children were were brought up in abolitionist families like i sent this to you they have a abolitionist abcd book i have it open now it's like a is an abolitionist a man who wants to be free 
B is a brother with a skin of somewhat darker hue. Oh. All right. And, and yeah, so Let's people see. would bring up their children with these with these beliefs. Interesting. That's cool. What is X? E is for chains. There what shouldn't be any. It's probably <laughs> like some biblical name, name or something. Is it Malcolm Xylomethus. X? <laughs> so instead of a red diaper baby, this would be a... Uh... <laughs> Brown diaper baby. X is for Xerxes, famed of yore. A warrior stern was he. He fought with swords. Mm. Let truth and love our only weapons be the guy there from the go. 300. Yep, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's Who famously right. had a lot of slaves. W is for the whipping post. Really? <laughs> yes. This is a oh, dark shit. way to learn the alphabet. I gotta <laughs> say, <laughs> kind of distracting from the letters. Well, anyways, <laughs> let's move on. Um, Owen Brown finds work as a cobbler. A farmer, a tanner. Uh, eventually, John Brown is born with him and Ruth on May 9th, 1800 in Torrington, Connecticut. In 1805, when he's five years old, the family moves to Hudson, Ohio, following Calvinists and, uh, you know, their whole thing being that they're doing this thing called Into the Wilderness, which is a uh, Calvinist Puritan sort of metaphor justification for, you know, honestly not like colonizing, especially in the not in the way that the Brown family was doing it, just they felt that the need to go travel that way and to set up, um, you know, a collaborative society as opposed to a colonizing one. Um, they are sort of like the first family that's nice to Indians. Cause this is a time when there's like in a lot of these places, a majority Indian population, everyone else is still pretty racist. Even if they're cohabitating, um, they're an anomaly in that they just don't have any of the 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 you know the weird bias in them to begin with because they have these experiences I guess that are unique where you know they're friends with Indians and black people growing up in a time when it's uh, not done um, they you know travel and fucking th- this is where I the Red Dead guy really comes in it's, it, I, I looked it up and Red Dead takes place more kind of 1910 ish and this is all like mm. uh, you know almost a hundred years before that especially Owens uh, what is Red Dead the video a, game uh, about a cowboy. Game. Oh, okay. A um, gamed video. I'm. Tr- I was trying to. The- I'm trying trying to theorize what John Brown sounds like. And the thing is, we were talking about him like a cowboy, like and he is. He's in the Western era, but we were talking about him by referring to him as this uh, this guy from this cowboy video game that's set at the end of the Western era. And really, I mean, his dad is more Oregon Trail e. There's a lot of like wagons in this story and uh dying in childbirth everyone just dies in childbirth there's like that sort of shit going on so this is going to say more but like there's no voice acting in oregon trail and that's really where your problem comes in so what i'm thinking is he's a little bit more like if you ever seen deadwood there's a priest in deadwood who's just very oh oh like that he's just a lot of oh you know um just very, uh-huh. very shook up all the time and intense. I think these are intense God, you know, frontier people. Um, yeah. I have not seen the show, but I think you nailed it, and I see it now. <laughs> I don't quite have a reference point like Red Dead Guy, but we'll figure something out. So, 
Let's see. Young John Brown makes friends with Indians, slaves, and he's kind of a like a kid with a wild streak, you know, running around catching frogs and shit, getting into snowball fights. At one point, he's in a, like a like a gang of kids. The, the neighborhood kids form two gangs called the Republicans and the Federalists, and they have mock snowball fights with each other and shit. He likes wrestling other kids and shit, and his parents are worried about his soul. So, um, right. <laughs> you know, they, I know you're not throwing frogs with the Federalists. Stay <laughs> inside and learn your abolitionist ABCs. Yeah. <laughs> um. So during the War of 1812, Owen Brown works for General William Hull's army as a guy who runs like cattle and beef and shit to the army. And John Brown is radicalized against the military. He hates the hypocrisy, the violence, the murder he sees. Ironically, and uh. More than anything, he hates the fact that uh, everyone supports slavery. Um, and his parents teach him just literally, this is a thing, it's corny, and it comes from religion, the golden rule. Just that fucking mm. you know, thing that's on the wall in religious people's houses. They just teach him, treat uh, yourself and your others, whatever the fuck it goes. I don't know. Um, the other thing he can rap in the musical is the golden rule, I guess. Had do unto others as you would have done do unto you. That's what it is. Um, yes. Also, unfortunately, dude. Jesus will be in the musical. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be one of those. Um, let's see. 16 years old, he has a public profession of faith. So when he's 16, he goes from being a weird teenager rapscallion to, um, you know, loving the Lord. He becomes religious as fuck. He memorizes the entire Bible. He's got a brother named Salmon, right? As I discussed before. Because they had another kid and yes, they just renamed does. him Salmon. And at one point in school, Salmon... Think of another name. <laughs> Trout. <laughs> Salmon, uh, like, convinced some kind of minor infraction, steals something. John Brown is now becoming a hardcore, like, um, what's the word for it? He just loves rules, I guess. Um, he... Brown pedant maybe there's a word i can't fucking reach it'll come to me by the end of this podcast probably uh nancy boy he goes up to the teacher basically and he goes are you going to punish salmon because he committed (laughs) and the teacher goes no i don't really care so john brown flogs salmon for him wow yeah see there's another part of what's going on here in like a character study of John Brown that unfortunately I know he was badass and I know we would love to imagine him as just the coolest human of all time, but there is a lot going on here and some of it, he's a little bit of a hall monitor in certain parts of his life. What, what is his religion again or his particular sect of Christianity? Uh, Calvinism. I, I'm exactly where I'm going next with this. Uh, so okay. he, here's, here's what's, really important about him he sort of fuses a few different things in his mind on his way to becoming radicalized and you know one aspect of it is the the slave rebellion stuff and one aspect of his hardcore abolitionism and the third thing that there is the glue that holds all this stuff together is his hardcore puritanical calvinistic faith now the thing that's okay I think it's important to understand about Calvinism, especially in this part of the country at this time, is that, you know, the fucking pilgrims and shit that came over here to start all this bullshit were like 
these weird people that left Europe because they were, in their mind, they weren't being oppressed by religion as much as they were like being oppressed in that they didn't get to get as weird and crazy with their religion as possible as they wanted, right? They came here for the freedom to be even more fucking religious, which is a kind of a hard thing to wrap your head around, I guess. <laughs> um, but in doing so, and specifically because of the conflicts that the, the Puritans had, with their, uh, you know, their oppressors back home, part of what they wanted to do, part of this big Protestant tradition is, uh, you know, that shit where I, th I think I'm, I'm not a fucking theologist. I don't know if I'm getting this exactly right, but it was like um, them being allowed to read the Bible for themselves rather than have a priest interpret it for them, which is like a big Catholic mm -hmm. concept. And that's why Catholicism is all in Latin and shit. And so it's a lot of DIY, like, I know I'm, I'm going to have a personal relationship with God and all this stuff. But the other thing is highly anti-institutional. And so at this point, there were like right. 250 different sects of Puritan, Calvinistic interpretations of whatever the fuck anyone wanted to do with this shit. They were also out in the fucking woods doing whatever the hell they wanted. So this is where like Mormonism came from and Quakers and all sorts of other people that were just free to do whatever the fuck they wanted. And his particular strand of it was just, you know, he was really into um, the uh, work of Jonathan Edwards, who is this Calvinist who... Uh, gave like these sermons called uh, a sinner in the hands of an angry God is like his most famous one, which is basically just a pilgrim screaming into the darkness. You are a spider and you are in the hands of God and he could crush you at any moment, but he just didn't do it because he doesn't feel like it. Fuck you. Like it's right. crazy, crazy self-flagellization and, and just everyone's a spider and a fucking wretched piece of shit. And um well, that's like a kink then almost. Right? It's that's like, very that's like BDSM for prayer. It seems like there's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of flogging in this shit, right? Oh yeah. you gotta flog me. I'm a spider. I'm a little spider. Flog me. Kind of reminds me of Lutheranism in a way. I mean it's still different, but I yeah, like growing up like i had this weird thing where like if i didn't get in trouble for something that i should have in school mm -hmm. i would like tell them that oh i should also be in trouble for this thing I think that's so, an well anders anders calvinism is far more anti-authority uh, authority and that's why the symbol for calvinism is that boy peeing on things <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> except in anders case it's just a boy trying to pee Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> what does mean? A full tank. What new exciting development is this? Learn something new about Anders. <laughs> what is going on? Um... Uh, what's his name? Jonathan Edwards also gave speeches called or speeches sermons. That's what I was looking for. Uh, Eternity of Hell's Tower. End of the wicked contemplated by the righteous. Just crazy just metal shit like that. And... Nice. A large part of this specific religion is about a concept of predetermination or predestiny. I can't remember what it's exactly it's referred to as, but the idea being that God has just decided the fate of everyone's souls from the get-go. There's nothing you can do. You're either saved or you're not predetermined. The actions of your life, all you can, basically, the only thing you could do was fuck up and get unsaved so just be as good as possible and even if that 
even if you do 100% right, you still might be fucked and going to hell. Uh, so it's very dour shit. And like Owen Brown wrote near the end of his life, my life has been most been wasted and I wasted it on like vanities or something like that. These are children. Yeah. My life in two pieces. <laughs> this is my last resort. It is very new metal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess it, let's see this, this will come up later on because what happens after Brown becomes a public figure after Harvest Ferry is that um, he is cast by the South as like, and this is why I like him a lot. I think this is why I started to really get excited while reading this book. All the Southern propaganda against John Brown is that he is a scary, satanic, woodland heretic. And... What's going on in the north in the woods is this crazy experimental shit with the you know black Philip goat and witches and flying and stuff. And in the south, they respect order and institutions and things like that. And so actually they're more religious than John Brown is, is the argument. And they sort of um, – let me see if I can find it. There's um, There's a piece of like – what do you call it? Like a Ben Garrison cartoon about him? That's uh, John Brown. Yeah, it's not by Ben Garrison, but there's a political cartoon. That's yeah. what I was looking for. Uh, it's uh, it's from 1863, and it's uh, titled "Worship of the North" with pictures of an altar with w- the word Puritanism blazoned across its base and free love spirit rapping atheism and negro worship on the bricks above it on uh the altar sits an ugly lincoln besides whom lies the slavery leaders of the republican party including charles sumner and william henry henry seward an african in tribal dress looms at the side of the group holding an odd looking spear hovering above all are satan and a statue of john brown also holding spears right so that's good satire (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot going on in this one thing is that he's satan and another thing is (laughs) that he's involved in something so that word spirit rapping is another thing that'll come up it's really interesting and also it's kind of connected to some other stuff we've been talking about on the show just oddly a lot of stuff a lot of stuff going on in this specific time this was also a time when spiritualism was very popular and there were like just psychics and shit everywhere and like mesmerists and people that would do this newfangled sort of like less institutional religious occult stuff that was you know related to religion and not considered heretical really or heretical in like the north for example um so but the south would look at him and go he's a fucking you know he reads the ouija boards and stuff he's a you know heret Spooky ghost, right, or whatever. Right. Uh, he's a that he's a spooky ghost. <laughs> <laughs> and then also the spears that he's holding in the political cartoons are pretty interesting because they're both emblematic of the uh, all this archangel stuff that he's really into, and that I think he at one point had spears. I think in the Harper's Ferry raid, he uses spears like they had in the fucking in this weird passage in the Bible that he derives all this stuff from. Um, but also, it's meant to demean him as a Negro lover. He's got a spear, you know what I mean? Right. So it's like fucking yeah. ten things on it at the same time. Yeah, um, this is like uh, the the closest they had to like ether back then. 
It's like a diss track. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm to put this in terms Anders can understand. The I... world of hip-hop. <laughs> <laughs> His first love. That's right. You, you look up. get it. You got a freestyle. I got a <laughs> yeah, I freestyle? No, Alex does. Oh. Last name Lee, first name Anders. Juke and fools like Deion Sanders. No, you didn't freestyle that. You made that up. <laughs> or you had that already ready. Yeah, that's my go-to. Yeah, that's a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that tattoo. <laughs> like Dion Sanders. Why how like about like it rhymes. Bernie Sanders. Okay. Um could do that. So John Brown gets a little bit older and <laughs> <laughs> he starts participating in the under, underground railroad and it's not even really like an active part of his life yet he's not really like a hardcore abolitionist yet he's just anywhere he goes he just if there's an underground railroad he immediately signs up because it's just yeah that's the right thing to do um him and his dad work on it together so you know they help escape slaves and uh hide them from you know hordes of bands of white people um he works at the tannery his father runs where he makes leather in 1820. He falls in love with uh, a housekeeper's daughter named Dianth. And uh, he's totally horny for her because she sings hymns and prays alone in the woods, which is. I am horny type. for Diane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a match. That's a swipe right. Where John I Brown. find a woman to say my prayers unto. Diane, it would be you. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we got the voice going. He's rhyming. This is all coming together. <laughs> so she bears John Jr., Jason, Owen, and Frederick, and then two other kids that die immediately, and then she dies in childbirth. I mean, I guess this is all over the course of like a decade or something. Wow. Um, they should have put that in the cartoon. That would have really got him. Yeah. <laughs> so... She's got this weird. There's speculation over like the mental health of her, her and the, her ilk because like some of the kids that she bears have uh, just what's referred to in the language of the times as like monomania and bouts of insanity. But you know, I mean, that was just back then. If they just you were just annoying or you know they didn't like you or you were a woman mm-hmm. or whatever, it's they would diagnose you with you know wood madness or something, right? Right. Um, let me see. I'm gonna pull up this other thing to here. We'll read a passage real quick, just about how as far as the family tree extends. John Brown fathered fathered twenty children by two wives. Even in a time when families nice. were large, the average American household had around nine children. This number was extraordinary. More typical was the percentage of his children who did not make it to adulthood. Only eight, four by each wife, would outlive him. Among the remainder, two died shortly after being born. Six were victims of childhood illnesses, and one was scalded to death in a kitchen accident. Oh my fucking god! What? <laughs> 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 Worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the past is so funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it really is. Cooking salmon. Oh. Were any of them named Salmon? I guess that that is my follow up. Yes, he had a child <laughs> named Salmon. He will feature <laughs> later in the story. <laughs> um. So then he starts to become a little bit more 
of like this like a uh, hall monitor like kind of nazi guy where he's just doing weird shit like while his wife is ill from childbirth he's stops because he sees two men robbing and uh, stealing apples from an orchard and tells them like if you you know uh like repent i will and and give the apples back i won't call the authorities um and then he just stops and gives him these weird lectures his wife is like dying in the wagon next to him like he had pulled over <laughs> he's doing all this weird shit like that john stop doing your spirit rap for these sinners yeah john it's not the time <laughs> every chance you get you're rapping at passerbys as his son starts to come to age john jr he uh, begins to discipline his children physically, and this extends to the point where at one point he asks, tells John Jr. to come into the room and tells him, I have a you know marking of 10 things you did, uh, or 18 or some weird number like that, and then he lashes John Jr. for a third of them. And then he, st- canceled. Then he stands He's up, canceled. takes off his shirt, turns around and hands the lash to John Jr. and says, and now you're going to whip me for the other parts of them. I'm going to take my punishment for you, and this will hurt even worse. And I don't know, some crazy shit like that, right? So, like, yeah, that's, that is high-level shit. It's pretty weird. <laughs> he knows how to abuse, he knows how to, like, fuck the shit out of a child, like, mentally. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, maybe the, that's better to have to have the kid hit you after it's like it's even i think it's right that way psychologically they feel bad about it <laughs> <laughs> i guess it is like oh yeah we're the scores back to zero i don't know it's fucking weird these are i'm gonna say points for he was a little bit crazy like that argument some of the stuff is a little bit weird um but you know he was kind of weird and violent but also he would nurse lambs back to life and shit. And, um, you know, he also would uh, go into hysterical laughing fits. They said that this is like, the book is like, he, had, he was kind of fun. Like, he would laugh sometimes right. so hard he couldn't <laughs> breathe <laughs> for, like, no reason. <laughs> That's so, it's so cute. <laughs> um, you know when someone starts laughing and you don't know why and they don't stop? <laughs> adorable yeah um it's usually because i'm thinking of anders watering the plants yes maybe he was just thinking of anders watering he was probably just thinking of anders watering the plants i thought i well so i did water them after all huh no he spritzed no no you didn't you spritzed i'm (sighs) on naomi's side now (laughs) (laughs) um Another thing that he liked to do was debate people in like this really corny fashion about, you know, the uh, like theological shit. So he would just school motherfuckers in public because he knew so much Calvinism and so much Jonathan Edwards and stuff. Um, He also and this like I'm saying, this was during a time of like early capitalism and snake oil and things like that and all this spiritualist stuff so there was a practice called mesmerism which was popular entertainment essentially basically was just hypnotism like it was just someone saying look i've got this tonic or i've got this fucking you know psychic connection 
I can hypnotize a person. Essentially a fucking comedy club hypnotist, right? This shit made John Brown furious because I guess it was, you know, yep. it was not. It's sinful yeah. is what it is. There you go. Mm. So it denies the, the power of the Lord. At one point, John Brown goes to a mesmerist show. He watches it and he decides I'm going to come back and challenge this mesmerist. And what the mesmerist does is he hypnotizes a woman and says, you know, through the power of hypnotism, I'm going to make it to where she can't feel pain. Right. And so he takes this thing called this thing called a nettle, which is like a, a plant that's like stingy yeah, and it nettles. burrows into your skin and it hurts a lot. Right. And yeah. he applies Spike it. Spike balls. Yeah. Like a little burr. And he puts them on the woman's skin, and then the act is, you know, behold, through the power of hypnotism, she doesn't even feel it. She doesn't feel pain right now. So John Brown comes to this guy's show, and he heckles him, and he goes, I can prove that what you're doing is not actually hip- it's not mesmerism. It's not real. I will do the same thing, and I will prove that through the power of God, you can block out pain if you have faith, right? And so <laughs> the guy's like, interesting. I like to see where you're going with this. And so they do a show. Yeah. (laughs) And so they do a show where he does the thing and he puts the nettles on the woman's neck and she's fine. And then Brown's like, check this out, put him on my neck. And he puts him on his neck and he's standing there and he's fine. Right. And then the mesmerist takes ammonia and he puts it under both of their noses at the same time, just to add one more element of weird and John Brown fucking flips out and he's like, ow, 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 ow. And he runs out of the room yelling and screaming. And he's up all night rubbing his neck on a street like lamppost because it's fucking hurts so bad and itches so bad. And then he comes back the next day and he goes up to the guy and he goes, all right, mesmerism, maybe there's something to it. Wow, this reminds me a lot. This is the worst kind of heckler you can get at a comedy show. Yeah, comes to do your act through the power of God. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, he might as well embrace all the dark, dark shit because that's what they were accusing him of anyway. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. I think there's just various religious factions all kind of doing weird dark shit but then accusing each mm-hmm. other of like well you're actually the one that's in league with satan like what we do yeah. is cool or whatever um it's not like one christianity versus everyone else you know i don't know so <laughs> all right that just about sums up young john brown up into uh pre-radicalization uh so tune in next week to find out what happens next. You can't do cliffhangers with history. He's going to kill people. It's fucking cool. All right. Bye.